In a world where pet dog owners are bombarded on all sides with well-meaning training solutions steeped in confusing jargon, two dog trainers from the ancient county of Dorset share a passion for gardening, Belgian shepherds, and helping frustrated and struggling dog owners turn their unruly canine companions into the perfect walking partner. They vow to simplify the dog training process using everyday examples and solutions providing the light at the end of the tunnel. Welcome to the Fun Focus Play Podcast. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 6 of the Fun Focus Play Podcast. My name is Dasha Lewis. And I'm Wendy Halliday. Today we thought we would have a chat about closeness and how important that is to actually teach your dog to walk by your side. Good choice. Good choice. Good choice. Yeah. So I thought I would start with a little story. And this is the story of Tug. And it's actually a story that I mentioned in my book, No Pulling Allowed. Basically, Tug was a little Springer Spaniel and he was owned by a lady called Mary. Mary had tried all sorts of things to try and teach Tug not to pull on the lead. And, you know, she tried head collars, harnesses, normal leads, slip leads, you name it, she tried it. And she could not get her dog not to pull on the lead. And now, a lot of people will say that with Springer Spaniels, you can't teach them to walk on a nice loose lead. And I say, well, bollocks to that. Yeah. You can teach anything to walk on a loose lead. You can teach every single dog to walk on a nice loose lead. It doesn't matter the breed. It doesn't matter what the age is. Or as the long, size. Or the size. As long as you put in the work, you're going to be able to teach your your dog to walk on a nice loose lead. So basically what happened is that Mary came to me um, via an advert that I'd put in the paper at the time. And she basically said to me, I've tried everything and nothing works. He still pulls on the leads. So I spent some time going over what she tried and what she hadn't tried and basically analyse what she'd been doing with her dog. And what I found was that although she tried all these different pieces of equipment, she'd never actually taught her dog to walk on a nice loose lead. What she did was she just popped the piece of equipment on her dog and took him out for a walk and hoped and hoped for the best yeah exactly she hoped for the best it just didn't work because she'd never taught tug to walk on a nice loose lead and this is where the closeness comes in doesn't it it is closeness is everything one of the key skills that you need to teach your dog is actually to want to be by your side because if your dog doesn't like being by your side and is afraid of your legs when they move then they are not going to walk by your side ever they'll always be in front or way out to the side of you exactly by simply changing a few bits and pieces around and actually teaching the dog that being by your side is a a good you know a good place to be you're not going to get the result that you're looking for that was in a nutshell tug story I go into much more detail in my book. So if you want to know the whole story, you'll have to buy it and read it. (laughs) Shameless plug going on there. So, Wendy, have you ever had problems with 
teaching dogs to walk on a nice loose lead. Not, not, you know, I'm, I'm not talking personally if you haven't had a dog that pulls on the lead because I know you've had a lot of rescues and you've been very lucky with them. <laughs> very lucky. But, you know, I'm sure you've seen this with students that you've taught. Yeah, I currently have a red setter that basically when I first started with the lady was walked on a harness um, and she did about two paces and we'd have to stop and try and unmangle dog's legs from lead because mm. it was basically somewhere up round head height bouncing and it had she had absolutely no control on of it. Um, somebody told her to stick a harness on instead of a collar and she expected miracles and all that happened is this dog was literally just jumping up and down and it literally was caught up in the lead the whole time because it had legs going everywhere because it had no idea what it was doing. Now it walks beautifully. Good, good. <laughs> but that is by calming down that jumping. Long. So <laughs> this is the calmness that we talked about last episode. Yeah. But also by actually teaching that dog that being by the side is the right place yeah. to be. Yeah. That's right. I've got a cold you've got a cold I've got yeah cold. no we've i think we've both got a cold, cold actually yeah. this is thanks to my son oh yeah always <laughs> always blame someone else yeah. <laughs> teaching your dog to be close is is crucial because if they're close to you they they will always be looking to you for the fun and the entertainment and all sorts of things so they aren't going to want to be pulling in front of you to go off and find the bunny rabbits or go and chase the blackbirds or <clears throat> excuse me or whatever they're, they're just going to want to be walking beside you having a nice time yeah exactly and the fact that there are a lot of distractions around when you're on a walk you know that that can be very hard to overcome especially if you've got a dog that has been allowed to chase the bunny rapids and and just go off and say hello to every dog that he sees and when you well, you know when you've got that dog on a lead he will be pulling to try and get access to to those resources but you know your dog will want to do what he's always been allowed to do and that is you know go and follow that scent chase those rabbits back into their holes and um, run after squirrels and then start barking at the bottom of the tree as they run up them and and stuff like that and by actually teaching your dog that being by your side is more rewarding you're actually going to stop that kind of behavior as well aren't you you're going to get more control as a result and it's hard work doing it once the dog has been allowed to pull and pull and pull it doesn't know any different and all of a sudden go no 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 I want you to pay attention to me and walk beside me it's really really hard and will take a lot of effort on your part because you're the one that's caused the problem yeah you've allowed the dog to do it yeah and Um, and there's no point in getting cross with your dog because it's pulling you have allowed your dog to pull and not pay any attention to you so you're gonna have to put in all the hours and hard work to bring them back to you yeah, and, and that's what we talked about in episode four as well, wasn't it? The fact yeah. that it actually can go wrong right from the start. So right from the moment that you've got your puppy home and put that lead on, that is where it starts to go wrong because, you know, you allow your do- your puppy to explore the garden and you're just following meekly behind and all of a sudden you're going to try and direct them. And the way you tend to do that 
And the way you probably are told to do that is just by, you know, by pulling on that lead and trying to direct where they're going. But actually, when you start pulling on that lead, you're then teaching your dog to pull. Yeah, the dog will pull back. The dog will pull back because of Newton's third law of motion. Every action has an equal and opposite reaction. One of the things that you have to do when you have got a, a problem with your dog pulling on the lead is first of all teach them that being by your side and being around your legs is actually a really good place to be. And I would even do that as a separate exercise. I wouldn't even necessarily clip the lead on to teach the dog that. Mm. I'll probably start off without the lead, teach the dog that being around my legs is great fun and we have lots of games around there and you know they get rewarded for being around my legs so that could be you know treats it could be uh through play a toy um toy play games anything like that and once the dog has learned that it's great fun to be by my side i've probably then put the lead on it yeah the lead really is just your safety device it is yeah they should be able to walk beside you quite happily without the lead Yeah, and, you know, they don't really need to walk, you know, exactly beside you. The other thing that, you know, I personally, I don't require my dogs when we're just going out for a walk to actually walk right beside me. I'm quite happy if they're just ahead of me or just behind me, as long Mm. as that lead is not Not tight tight. and that they're not pulling on it. Do you do the same thing? I do, yeah. My dog, I move where I clip her harness, the lead to her harness, so if I'm on the road and doing some proper training I have her clipped on the front and then when we disappear off up a back road because I live literally in the country and you see one car a day so basically up a dirt track I will clip her on the back ring and therefore she's allowed to go to the end of the lead but as soon as she pulls she just comes straight back in by my side so yeah but that's because she's been taught that as soon as that pressure is there she gives in she comes back yeah and, and that's another thing that, of course, you have to teach your dogs that yeah. once the pressure is there, they have to give in to it. So, and giving in to it means that they come back to you yeah. very much like when you're teaching um, a horse to to walk on its on its um, halter um, with the lead attached to it. If dog, if the if the horse starts pulling, you just have to wait it out and wait until it comes back to you, and then you move forwards again. Of course, it's much more important with a horse because they can actually they're a just... Bigger. <laughs> they're a bit bigger, a bit heavier, and they can just run away with you. Yeah, and Go you'll... a bit faster. Yeah. 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 Not a pretty sight. No. If, you're being, if you've ever been dragged by a horse, not a pretty sight. No. And very painful. Yes. Yeah, been there, done that one. <laughs> yeah, me too. When I was a kid. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I've done it as a grown-up. <laughs> you've done that as a grown-up? Oh, wow. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm very pleased to say that when it happened to me, it was in a field. Yeah, I, I many moons ago, back when I worked with horses, I had a little foal that I needed a head collar put onto. And um, basically, I had hold of the, the foal and a little V-shape bit where the mare was rammed against a fence so we could sort of have the foal in a little secure area. And the foal managed to get through basically a non-existent gap and I thought I'm not letting go because I'd already been sort of there for about half an hour trying to work with the foal and she was only about 10 days old at the time and me and foal disappeared through this non-existent gap and I whacked my shoulder around the mare's hip and thought oh that's very painful until later when I actually couldn't move my arm um, I discovered that I'd actually broken my shoulder. You broke your shoulder. I broke my shoulder. 
On the mare's hip. On the mare's hip. <laughs> okay. Never heard of that before. Yeah. Yeah. I'm good at doing strange things. <laughs> well, you know, I've done strange things as well, but I've never broken a bone on a horse before. You know, I've broken toes and stuff with horses standing on them, yeah. but that's different. Yeah. That's different because that's actually the whole weight of the mare going on it. But just yeah. whacking it your was, shoulder into the mare broke it. Yeah. It was just literally the force going through. Just took my shoulder out and broke the shoulder, the ball joint on the top of my shoulder. Ouch. Let's go back to talking about closest with dogs, shall yeah. we? <laughs> yeah, I was very close with that horse. <laughs> yeah. So, so, yeah, so the closer that your dog is to you when you are teaching it and I would say that when you're teaching it if you go for as close as you can get your dog then you can always relax that later on once they've actually learned that being close to you is a good thing yeah. do you reckon yeah the closer the better to start with you don't want to start them sort of at a meter's distance because then it's harder to get them closer right in yeah so if you can have them writing to start with then you can just relax it as the days go on or yeah. where, where you need them to be yeah exactly so when you when you actually start by teaching your dog that being close to you is what you want from them then the closer you can get them to, to be with you the better the dogs don't all need to be sort of um, obedient standard wrapped around your left leg because that's not where, you know, that's not an enjoyable place to be when you're out for a country stroll somewhere walking across the fields. So there are different levels of where you want your dog or how close you need your dog. Yeah, and that's that's one of the things, isn't it? Because when I, when I just walk my dogs normally, um, they do actually walk slightly ahead of me. But only because if we were four abreast, because I walked the three of them together, we'd be taking up the whole road. So I tend to have one next to me and two in front of me. But the ones that are in front of me are not actually pulling on that lead because the lead is bouncing up and down. Um, and they're just ahead of me. So they are, you know, their bums are probably about a foot, maybe a foot and a half in front of me. And I, I do use quite long leads, but those leads are not tight. Um, and then I have one dog next to me. And if there's nothing coming, then I might let the other dog wander slightly ahead as well. But if there's, you know, cars around and I have one dog tucked in next to me and then the other two in front of me, because that way we're not as big an obstacle <laughs> and it's easier for dogs to, for dogs, for the cars to go past mm. us. Um, and I think, you know, that's another thing to consider when teaching your dog, especially if you've got more than one um that being close to you is good because in those situations you do want them to come as close as possible because you know there is a limited amount of space on these country roads for cars to get past and if there's not a passing place that you can duck into it can get actually quite hairy because the, the cars do pass you very very close don't they even on pavement you know where you've got pavements you know it's still in this day and age if you're in the town with the big lorries going past you you um, it's still quite scary. Well, it is because those lorries, you know, the wheels are in the gutters, aren't they? Yeah. And they are, they get mm. so close to you. And, you know, I'm not surprised about, you know, all these stories that you hear of people that are cycling in places like London that get whacked by the, the mirrors yeah. on the lorries. One, because the lorries don't see them. 
and two because the lorries are so far over because they're now so wide it don't actually fit the roads properly anymore yeah. well that's the trouble everywhere the cars have all got in theory more sort of economic to run but they're actually bigger and bulkier and might be safer for those that are inside but they're so big um, yeah. They don't fit down the roads that were designed for the sort of little Morris Thousands. <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking the Mini, actually. Yeah. You know, the, the Mini. Yeah, well, even that's, that, that's... twice the size. <laughs> Is it twice the size? I thought it was three times the size these days. <laughs> you know, the little tiny Minis. I remember my, um, my aunt used to have a Mini. And there was, I think we actually managed to squeeze. Let me just try and think. There was... My aunt was driving. There was two on the front seat, and I think there was four of us in the back seat. <laughs> I've I've done in a and it was one. and it was and it was a very very squished because it was a, a little mini Cooper. Mm. So that I think that was one of the smallest minis there was, mm. wasn't it in those days? Yeah, my friends got a um, a soft top mini, and we actually went to a golf club match. Um, we travelled a long way with two of us in there with two sets of golf clubs stuck out the top of her roof. <laughs> <laughs> and that was a small one. And that was a small one, yeah. yeah. That was quite, it was really quite funny. Yeah. We were just praying it wasn't going to rain on the way home because we'd have drowned. <laughs> yeah, but it's just, you know, cars got so much bigger that when you are actually walking on the country roads, it is actually, you know, quite dangerous, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and especially when you get idiots that don't slow down and don't yeah. get me started on those because I'll have a rant. <laughs> yeah, likewise me with um, no wing mirror. <laughs> yes. Well, well, you know what happened to mine. <laughs> yeah, we both lost wing mirrors. Yep. Um, country roads, trying to get past, lorry coming the other way, me in me van, him in a bigger lorry and him deciding that he was going to get past no matter what. So the back of his lorry took my wing mirror. And I was actually quite lucky that he only took my wing mirror because he could have taken the front. Yeah. And it was literally millimetres to spare. Well, I'm, I was hit by four by four, typical four by four driver. <laughs> <laughs> Duff said about that, I think. Yeah. I've only got a little car and this big four by four drove at me. <laughs> yes, and it's not fair, is it? No, not fair. Bullies. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I've only got tiddly little car. <laughs> yeah, a little fiesta, isn't it? Yeah, a little fiesta. Little fiesta, yeah. A little fiesta. One of the old type of fiestas, which was small. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a nice little car, though, it isn't is. it? She's perfect. Perfect. Yeah, I'm just looking at the rain. Every yes. time we do the podcast, it rains. rains. Yeah. <laughs> it's raining again, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Well, what we could do is we could finish off with me reading Tug's story. Yeah, that's a good Shall idea. we do that? Yeah, read Tug's story. Then it'll all make sense to everybody. So I am just going to give you a little sneak peek of my book, No Pulling Allowed. And basically what I'm going to do is I am going to read Tug's story the way I've described it in the book. And I think that will sort of help you understand where it is that we're coming from um, with this whole closeness thing. Teaching Tug. Tug simply loves the outdoors. He eagerly explores the hedgerows, hunting at scents across the fields and forests. He lives purely for chasing rabbits. And, like any typical Springer Spaniel, springing through the long meadow grass. 
Whenever Tug's owner, Mary, takes him for a walk, he acts like a coiled spring, ecstatic about the impeding prospect of adventure, causes him to pull like a train. He's not a big boy, but he's a strong one nonetheless. Unfortunately, Mary suffers from a bad back and Tug pulling on the lead is a massive issue for her. After each walk, she comes back with sore shoulders. Plus, she swears her arms are stretched several inches longer every time she takes Tug out. Over the past few years, Mary has tried several different things to stop him from pulling. First, she tried a slip lead, which nearly strangled him, as he just kept pulling despite the apparent discomfort. Next, she tried a harness that was designed to stop dogs from pulling. It used cords that sit just behind dogs' armpits, which tighten each time he starts to pull, making it uncomfortable for him to do so. That so-called no-pull harness worked for maybe two walks before Tug learned to pull again. The main problem with this harness was that because of Tug's continuous pulling, it rubbed his armpits raw. So it was back to the drawing board. Next, a head collar was purchased and Tug hated it. He spent his entire time trying to get the darn thing off. To be fair, it did stop him from pulling, but he was so miserable wearing it that he refused to walk at all. Again, this was not a method that worked for Tug. Ready to give up on Tug ever walking nicely on a lead, she stumbled across my advert in the local paper. In a last-ditch attempt to sort Tug's pulling on the lead, she decided to ask me for help. She hoped I would be able to offer some advice that would result in some relief from the physical discomfort that walking him caused her, and that I would be able to bring some joy back into their walks together. When I first met Mary, she was desperate. The chronic pain in her back, the sore shoulders and arms really were getting too much to bear. Walking Tug had become a chore rather than a fun way to enjoy each other's company and the beautiful countryside she lived in. She told me she had tried everything and that nothing worked. After spending a few minutes with them, I quickly identified that there was one key piece of the puzzle missing in their relationship. To Mary, teaching a dog to walk on a nice loose lead was as simple as putting a lead on her dog and going for a walk. One of her first mistakes was that every time she had tried a new piece of dog training equipment, like the harness or head collar, she had merely slapped it on him and gone for a walk. She had failed to actually teach Tug to walk on any of the training aids before attempting to take him out. What she hadn't realised was that teaching a dog to walk on a nice loose lead is more than just putting a dog into a piece of equipment that promises to solve all your lead walking and dog training struggles. You see, she never ever, in all that she tried, actually tried to teach Tug to walk by her side. She just assumed that he would want to please her and do it. She assumed that Tug would want to walk with her simply because he loves her. She did not believe that giving him rewards for staying by her side would solve the problem she was having. She voiced her concern to me when she asked me, but what happens when I eventually stop using these treats? Will he revert to pulling on the lead? I don't want to have to bribe him by offering him treats all the time. Those concerns are probably the ones swirling around your head too. I don't blame you. The original reward-based training methods to teach a dog to walk next to us relied on the dog staying by your side because you're holding a treat in your hand. Leading the dog much like a donkey walking forwards when a carrot is dangled in front of him on a stick. The trouble comes when it is time to phase out the rewards. This is where a lot of dog owners fail. 
Reducing the use of rewards in dog training is not as simple as it seems. It requires a reduction in the rewards carried out in such a way that it keeps dog gambling on when the next reward is coming. And this progress requires a skill level that is beyond that of the average pet dog owner. The other problem with using this method to teach your dog to walk on a loose lead is that most dogs find that the dog will focus on them when there are few distractions, but many dogs do not think it's advantageous to stay by our side when there are exciting bunny smells in the long grass or when there are other dogs to go say hi to. There is something missing and that is a genuine desire on your dog's part to stay with you in the face of all these overwhelming distractions. Tug's owner simply was not interested enough for him to want to be with her. He had no reason to stay close to his owner, as it wasn't where the fun in his walk came from. The joy in Tug's walk came from the distractions all around him. This was aided by the fact that his owner paid him little attention on their walks. She allowed him to be distracted by the environment. That's the end of Tug's story. And then, of course, I go into how to teach your dog. To walk nicely nicely by your side so if you like this podcast please subscribe and leave us a little review because we haven't had any reviews yet we'd really like a review we really like to think what you guys think of this podcast and whether you're enjoying it and my book can be purchased it's called no pulling allowed and you can get it from either amazon where you can get the kindle and the paperback version The Audible version is coming, guys. I just haven't finished recording it yet. And you can also get the paperback version from my website at www.nopullingallowed.co.uk. But I will pop that and the Amazon link to the book up in the show notes. And I think that's it for now. So bye-bye. Bye.